And our speaker today is from Choices Women's Center. Sarah Dunford is the Client Services Director of Choices Women's Center. Now she's, this is going to be fun because she's originally from West Virginia. But I mean, we have her now in the Fredericksburg area now. Uh, she's married. She has two kids. Uh, I think her kids are grown. She said, yeah, they claim to be grown. <laughs> Mine do too. And um, she has even written a book. It's called Parenthood Unplanned, A Survival Guide for the Unexpected. Choices Women's Center is one of our groups that we sponsor here at Round Oak through our, our women's ministry. And um, we collect we give them a donation each year and we'll talk about that a little bit in the announcements today but through this donations and and Sarah will talk a little bit more about it we're helping the women who don't know where to turn you know when there isn't enough money to handle this pregnancy and most of the time it's an unexpected pregnancy it's a surprise so with that I would like to introduce our speaker for today Sarah Dunford Good morning, Caroline County. Y'all awake? You're doing better than me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start a timer because I can talk wallpaper off walls. True story. And I am from West Virginia, and this does remind me of home, little country churches with full of good people that would give you, you know, the clothes off their back. Um, so I'm at home. <laughs> You've been warned. Um, so I do work at Choices Women's Center and I do help women who are facing unplanned pregnancies. And um, it is a privilege to get to go to work every day and see miracles because not everybody gets to do that. And so um, I am going to just say thank you for inviting me. And um, I'm gonna tell you the story of my life. So everybody put your seatbelt on take a deep breath. I was probably one of those women. <laughs> I know I was <laughs> that called. And um, so anyway, I am just going to tell you the story of my life. Um, did you know that the phrase, let me put my glasses on because I'm getting old. Did you know that the phrase, <laughs> let me start my timer because I forgot. All right. Did you know that the phrase square peg in a round hole? Anybody heard that phrase? Square peg in a round. Oh, I like you guys. You're responsive. I was a kindergarten teacher. We'll just sit here until everybody's ready. Okay. All right. So this, the phrase square peg in a round hole is an idiomatic expression that describes the unusual individualist who could not fit into a niche in their society. The metaphor was originated by Sidney Smith around 1804 or 1806 in a series of lectures on moral philosophy at the Royal Institution Institution of Great Britain. Did y'all know that? Y'all have been saying something. They would probably roll over if they heard me say y'all, but y'all are saying something that came from the 1800s in Great Britain. Isn't that wild? I find that wild. I'm a history major. History always amazes me. Yeah, a little, a little educated. Sometimes I'll, I'll just keep going. If my life could be summed up in a single phrase, it would be this term. Before I begin my tale, 
I need to offer a disclaimer. <laughs> Do not attempt anything that you are about to hear at home. Also, I'm going to need everybody to repeat after me. Remember, I was a kindergarten teacher for just a, a little bit. So everybody say, everyone is okay. We made it. We're fine. We're good. All right. I repeat, we're all okay. So at 14 years old, so I was born and raised in West Virginia. I had a, a state, I, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked in a manufacturing plant. They were good people. They were actually, uh, by the way, I'm a crier. I cry over everything. Again, everything's okay. Um, at 14 years old, so my mom and dad were great people. Mom was a little bit of a free spirit. I don't know if you've picked up on that, but she was. She kind of raised us. She was a hippie before hippies were hippie. Like she, she was, she was a fun-loving, wild girl. I grew up on the riverbanks of the Little Kanoa River my whole life. Um, my my grandfather never had sons. He just had my mother, and he was wild. He was wild too. We come from a long line of wild, and so my. Um, my grandfather, of course, and all of his brothers, this is so funny, there were five brothers, they all had girls. So all the girls became fisherwomen. I've never seen women, so like they fish to this day all the time, they're fisherwomen. So anyway, at 14 years old, would you believe that I thought I had everything figured out? 14. I was certain that if I got married, I everything I ever wanted would just work itself out. Are y'all ready? So I did just that. I called the courts. I called the courts. I made an appointment. I convinced a judge to waive the law for me. Who knew how that was done? Um, by the way, sometimes I look at 14 year olds today and I think, whoa, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> so I convinced my parents and I tied the knot. Can anybody say square peg in a round hole? There you go. And you'll never guess what happened next. At 15, I had my first unplanned pregnancy. Square peg, round hole. <laughs> um, at 16, I gave birth to a nine pound, four ounce baby girl. Actually, my nine pounder was easier than my seven pounder. So don't feel sorry for me. She, she was, she was, it was better. I named her Miranda Rose and she was, and still is kind of a big deal. We could get stuck right here for a while, but I'll keep going. That year was also the year that I got my driver's license because when I was 16, I don't know if I should tell the kids this. When I was 16, I they had not passed the law yet that you had to either be in school or turn 18. Now, if you drop out of school, you can't get your driver's license till you're 18. But we we were just getting seat belts, right? This was the 80s, the late 80s. So we were having a good time. So that year I got my driver's license and I'm pretty sure that the lady at the DMV felt sorry for me. Folks, I'm not sure I passed that test. And Adam, you better not say amen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. The other thing that happened that year was for my birthday, my sister gave me a $25 check made out to the Adult Education Center. I was a little more than disappointed that it wasn't cash. I mean, 
what 16-year-old wants a checkmate out to the adult education center so she can go get her GED? Not this one. I wanted to go shopping. She patted me on the shoulder and told me that I would thank her later. I also decided <laughs> that I was going to wing it, okay? I was not taking a class. I can't mess with that. I was not going to sit in a class for six to eight weeks. Either I knew the stuff or I didn't. So I scheduled the test and took it. Square peg, round hole. I know that we all thought that this marriage was going to last. We did. We did. We were in it to win it. But wouldn't you know, it was over by the time I was 19. So you can imagine, I have been married. I've had a baby. We'll keep going. Um, it would be another three years because I didn't believe in divorce. I do believe in the word of God. I did not want that for my life. I wanted to grow old forever with the person that I said I do with. So I was devastated. So it was three years before, but Lord, if I knew what was coming, hallelujah. Um, it would be three years before my divorce was final. So there I was, 22 years old a divorced single mom with an eighth grade education. And y'all, it wasn't a fancy divorce. It was a get a lawyer from legal aid because there's nothing to split and not a penny to divide. We were po. So one Sunday morning, as I was running, let's see how, how much time I've spent. I'm good. So one Sunday morning, as I was running behind for my duties at as hostess of, at the Welcome Center at my church, I threw my hair in a bun. I distinctly remember saying to myself, who do I have to impress, right? Life was hard. I was a single mom. I was divorced. I was not feeling any kind of anything. So there I was at the front desk of the Welcome Center with my hair in a bun. And in walks the best looking man I have ever laid eyes on and my hair's in a bun. That's nice. Jesus could have warned me. He could have been like, Sarah, today is not the day to wear a, a, your hair in a bun. Do something with yourself. Nope. Mm -mm. I was running late. I was like, I'm throwing in a bun. We're going to church. So there I was. I drag my six-year-old kid. We go run into the church and I'm hostessing and in he walks. And there he is. <laughs> By the way, he doesn't know what to do with me, y'all. He's real even keel, and I'm like this. I mean, he's the guy that makes sure the doors are locked and that the, you know, the car's locked. And I'm pretty sure even last night after 20 years of marriage, he said, did you lock the, did you lock the doors on your car? And I'm like, probably not. <laughs> so at 22 and 25 years of age, we eloped against pretty much almost everyone in our lives. Uh, you know, but we did it. And because it was so sudden, you're never going to believe what happened next. Unplanned pregnancy, number two. That's right. I wasn't planning anything. Our son, Jess Azariah, arrived on August 25th, 2002. He was for a very long time the glue that held us together. The thing that made us a family, regardless of the island of misfit theme that we had going on. 
So I, I just want to take a second to go through the math for you in case you didn't get it. So my husband is three years younger than me. <laughs> so I'm going to do it with you because it's kind of funny. So that means if I had my daughter at 16, do you know how old he was? Because we don't do anything. You know, it's so funny that before I got up here, you talked about doing things different and meeting different people. That's because I have arrived. The Lord was giving you a warning. Here I am. So you can imagine my son, my husband, who you can't tell now because he's got a beard. We won't talk about that. It's a sore subject. But when he's clean shaven, he has a baby face. So my husband, the first time he went to pick up my daughter from school, they go to her and they said, hey, your brother's here to get you. And my daughter is walking out going, brother, I don't have a brother. And she likes surprises as much as I do. So she just kept her mouth shut. She's like, okay. I mean, she just got a dad. Why not? She'd been praying for a brother. I'm sure he's out there. So she's like, she's walking along. So she gets out to the front desk of the school and she's like, that's not my brother. That's my dad. <laughs> wild square square hole square peg round hole my whole life shortly after that shortly after we get married i get a call from a man an aunt of mine an aunt sorry insisting that i go back to school she bribed me really she told me that she would pay for my books if i would go back to school so at 28 years old married with two kids and a job i went to college and by the time I was 30, I received my first degree from J. Sergeant Reynolds. As I stood in the Siegel Center downtown, I thought, God brought me this far. I bet he can get me a little further. So I enrolled at VCU. By the time I was 33, I graduated with a BA, Bachelor of Arts in History, with a minor in Religious Studies. This, this time, I stood in the Richmond Coliseum which was a really big deal for a girl with an eighth grade education who's from the hills of West Virginia, who, whose parents probably had three teeth between them. <laughs> but who's gonna make money with history? I know. The only logical thing to do at this point was to keep going. Um, that fall, I was accepted into the Master's of Education program at Liberty University. At 36 years old, I graduated. <laughs> I have never stepped foot in high school, people, ever. I have never. <laughs> it, is, it is unbelievable to me. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but my story freaks me out. All right, moving on. So this is where I wanna remind everything, everyone, like I just said, I had never stepped foot in high school and that my sister was right. I did thank her for that check made out to the Adult Education Center because I did pass that test. And um, I am the first in my family to graduate from a university, from a, like the real deal, like a university. My father had dyslexia and could not read. The Lord is, but you know what he had? He loved the Lord. And he got a hold of him and he, you, Jesus couldn't have shook him off. He gonna shook my mom off. He, they were in it forever. Um, so through, through a series of wild events, and I literally could keep you here all day, I started working at a pregnancy center to help those that are facing the things I once faced. 
which led me to writing a book <laughs> that got published at the height of a pandemic. So two years ago at the age of 43, I published my first book and here I am today sharing the story with you. Okay, so now that I've told you the timeline, the story, I wanna take a few minutes to unpack it because there is no way that a square peg like myself has spent a lifetime not fitting anywhere on anyone's timeline, hasn't witnessed a miracle or two. I can tell I can tell every single miracle because honestly we would all be I couldn't tell you them all because really when I say I've seen miracles I've seen them um, the word says that we are strengthened by the word of our testimony my last week my pastor preached and it is the truth you may not like my theology you may not like me you may not like anything that I stand for but I can tell you this you have nothing to dispute when it comes to my testimony. There is nothing you can say, right? All right, so I'm gonna give you three miracles because we'd be here for the five million, we would be here all day. Miracle number one, we are here. I am here. There is no earthly reason for us to be okay. My husband and I do not fit, we broke every mold, every mold. I think the Lord was like, she's dangerous. We're breaking the mold. So he, he instructed the angels, break it. All right. So we are, we are okay. After hearing that story, you know it and I know it. It is a miracle that we are here. My husband and I were a couple of kids in a fallen world and we brought brokenness to our marriage. We should not have been able to raise two relatively normal kids. It's true. They're not breaking any laws. And if they are, I don't want to know about it. And if I'm breaking laws, I don't want anybody else to know about it either. Which I'm not. Not breaking any laws. All right. So we should not have been able to raise two relatively normal kids. Statistically speaking, the statistics were stacked against us. If I was making bets on us, I would not have. <laughs> and it's the truth. Literally, God was the only thing that we had going for us. That and that we are a couple of stubborn mules in love. And even if we didn't get it right, and even if we failed, we still had a little grit. So we come from people with grit. People like y'all, the salt of the earth, Caroline County. We come from different places, but they're just like you. So... I knew you guys could handle my story because you're salt of the earth. <laughs> All right. So that pregnancy at 16 now has a law degree and is studying in Texas right now to take the bar. So my daughter in the height of the pandemic graduated from Regent University with a degree in law. And if you knew her personality, which is a lot like mine, law, y'all. I will tell you, she can argue with you until you want to die or just give her what she wants. I know you did not just shake your head and say amen. <laughs> and I'm, I'm easy go lucky. I mean, my husband over there, like once he gets, he's, he really, she, he probably got it. She probably got it like from him because he, once he gets there, he's like, I'm not backing down. I'm not moving from this spot. Me, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want to fight with you. We'll move. All right. So she is getting, she got a law degree 
And I just want to park it here for just a second. I think I'm doing okay on time. Um, my daughter has, um, she went to work for a nonprofit that fights for religious freedom around the world. She has been to, oh, I can't tell you how many countries. She has been to Iraq. She has been to, um, or when, if you're really educated, Iraq. Um, she has been to, I don't know, three nations in Africa, South Sudan, um, Nigeria. Um, she has been to, I mean, just everywhere. And they would go in and they would teach people the importance of defending those people, not like you, right? So they taught the Muslims to defend the Christians and the Christians to defend the Muslims because if you are protected, I am protected and we are worthy. We should be allowed to live according to our conscience, no matter what nation we are from. And so she would go around and they would teach people um, through a group, a, a series of seminars on how to have religious freedom in the world. Then she went and got married last year to a missionary. And right now she's in Texas. I'm really upset about it. It was a bait and switch. I thought we'd have her here in Caroline County and he took her down to Lubbock. Mm. He's a good guy. We love him. Sort of. Kidding. All right. Our son is currently doing mission projects in different cities around the U.S. And I do not tell you this because I am anything special. But to convey to you that God is still on his throne, he is faithful, and he will write your story if you let him. When I was a young girl at 16 years old, and I do believe that God gave me this thought, I thought, I'm going to fail this kid. I am not. <laughs> I mean, I am going to fail. So you know what I did? I, I, prayed a, I prayed a very specific prayer. I prayed, God, where my parenting skills end, would you let your spirit come into her life and make up the difference so that she would become the woman of God that you want her to be? And he was faithful. And he did. So miracle number two. There is no reason why I specifically should be here. In between having my son and going back to school, I went into con congestive heart failure two days after having my son. So I was 26 years old. I had a textbook pregnancy. I had, I, I mean, I gained like, he gained more weight when my, with my pregnancies than I did. I mean, I'm chubby now, but at the time I wasn't. So I, um, I was 26 years old and two days after my, I had my son, I woke up and I couldn't breathe. So I call my husband and I'm like, oh, something's not right. I, five minute timer. Something's not right. I cannot breathe. So he takes me down to the hospital and we literally are just like, I can't breathe, but it's going to be fine. We're going to be all right. So we have our newborn baby with us and the nurse takes my blood pressure she's chatting with me because I talk to everybody <laughs> and so she's chatting and we're just kind of getting along and all of a sudden now mind you I've just had a baby so I've had my blood pressure checked oh every three hours for you know 24 hours and I look up and my blood pressure says 199 over 100 I'm 26 years old I'm perfectly healthy I've never had a health issue other than tonsils in my life and I thought that ain't right and she stopped what she was doing and she went into medical professional mode. Like she was no longer my friend. She had nothing to say. She had stuff she had to do. So she walks out, she comes back in, she has a wheelchair 
she looks at me and she says, get in, you know, like your mother does, you know, when you're on her last nerve and she's told you to get in the car 40 times and you're not doing it. And finally she uses the tone. Well, this nurse used the tone on me. She's like, get in the chair. So I knew, I knew I was in trouble. So I got in the chair and they wheeled me back and, um, I could hear him out in the emergency room. The doctor that came in to see me, I was in the emergency room talking to, um, I went to the same hospital that I had him at. And, um, so they called over to the doctors in the, you know, the, the OB ward. And they were like, you know, I could hear him out there. No, it's a textbook pregnancy. Are you sure she's here? She's very swollen, which I really was. And it wasn't fat. It was actually fluid. And so I was, that was a joke, by the way. As a chunk chick, I'm allowed to crack them. You know what I mean? Like if you're old, you're allowed to get away with cracking old jokes. All right. So anyway, so, um, so they, so they are like, you know, this is crazy. So they take me up and they give me an ultrasound on my heart. And as I'm sitting there, meanwhile, I have told him to take our two year, two day old baby and go get his hair cut because we were close. You know, because I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving as soon as they're done with me. Right. And so I'm laying there and she gives me an ultrasound on my heart. And she says, by the way, they don't do this. And I'm sure there's policies in place because of stuff like this. She's like, so this is the ultrasound tech. And I'm watching. She's doing this. little. I'm like, when are they going to be done with this? I'm ready to go home. So anyway, she was like, have you ever had heart problems before? And I went like, I was totally fine. I was like, no, I'm telling you. Hope there's no blondes in here because I'm about to. Oh, found one. <laughs> so anyway, I was sitting there. I hadn't made the connection yet, and I said, "I said no. Why? I mean, I still my blood pressure's through the roof. They're giving me an ultrasound on my heart. I'm duh. So I was like, no. Why? And she's like, well, they're admitting you for congestive heart failure. And I went from being totally fine to like. You know, you feel tears coming on, you know when you're gonna cry. Like I went from being perfectly normal to a flood. Like I was just bawling. Now they make the doctors give the diagnosis because of stuff like that. But I, um, they take me back down into the emergency room and I'm there by myself. My two day old baby is gone, my husband's gone. There's nobody in my family that even knows that I'm in the emergency room because I just said, come get me, let's go. So I'm sitting down there and the nurse shuts the curtain and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not just gonna abandon me back in the bed. I'd like to talk to my husband. Um, so I called my husband and I said, can you come back? They're admitting me for congestive heart failure. So the next day, so that day they, um, that a couple minutes later, the doctor comes back and she's, she's like, we're going to give you a diuretic and you're going to go to the bathroom. We're going to try to get some of this fluid off of you. So they give me a diuretic in my IV, you know, and usually this works. Five minutes later, they're like, you got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, no. 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, they're like, okay, you should be needing to go to the restroom. Like you, you need to get some of this fluid off. And I'm like, no, I'll let you know. So finally I'm like, Okay, I think I need to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom. I spent like 20 minutes. I was like, wow, this is a lot of fluid. Like, really? So they admit me into the hospital. They put me on a heart monitor. And I, I know, it's inappropriate. I apologize. <laughs> but they put me on a heart monitor. And I am in the hospital with my baby, with my husband. My, like, our whole family. His family had come up from North Carolina. They're all at our house. I'm laying in a hospital at 20 hospital bed at 26 years old. So I leave, I go on with my life. I go to the, I, uh, to, I actually, believe it or not, 
the person, the doctor that was on call, because God is a God of miracles. The doctor who was on call was the head of cardiology. And it was his one rotation that he's required to do like every six weeks. And he got me. So they'd run a series of tests. I'm there overnight. I lost, are you ready? 25 pounds overnight. 25 pounds of fluid that my body was not processing, getting, getting rid of. I wish I could lose 25 pounds overnight now, but anyway, so that, so I am, I'm at work two months later and I have a nurse that comes in and says, we're again, I'm chatting with the people. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? And we start talking. She's a nurse that works in the heart unit. Now I spent two months thinking that Jesus did not love me, that I was abandoned. I mean, I really, the fear was so great that I could not get past how scared I was. So I leave the hospital and I'm just in this bare, dry in place with Jesus. So in walks this nurse to my job and she, she, we start talking and she goes, are you okay? She gets real serious. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. Like I had gone back to the doctor. They checked my heart. Everything was fine. And she said, well, you know what happened to you is called, called postpartum cardiomyopathy. And she said, usually it destroys the woman's heart. And she said, so it's amazing that you're standing here. So I get out, I get off my shift. I go out in my car. I sit down and I shut the door and the spirit of the Lord came in my car and it was so strong. And it was like my father rebuked me. He said, I was always there and you should have known it, right? The Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And I was like, you know what? You're right, Lord. I've been raised in the church. You saw me through it. And here I am moping around for eight weeks thinking, I am just a worm, right? Meanwhile, miracle after miracle after miracle had happened to get me to that point. So I should not be here. That's miracle number two. But here I am. And aren't y'all excited about it? (laughs) So miracle number three. There is no reason why I should have three degrees and a published book. So we're going to talk a second for about that published book. So I do have a book and it's kind of a big deal. And I would tell you why my daughter was working in Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., she got hired by a company. It was a, um, a tax company and the tax company is full of accountants. Now, I want you to imagine me times 10 in a room full of accountants. They actually told her when she got hired for the job that we're hiring you <laughs> in spite of you. So this is what they said. They said, we're, we think you, we want you to do this job, but we're not sure that you're a good fit. Have you ever had a job that looked at you and said, we're going to hire you, but we're not sure this is going to work out. So she just is like, oh, she's like, I feel like I'm supposed to be here. But mom, I do not know why. Why am I here? And so she had the job and three months into the job, she gets put in a meeting with a woman who she said the published the um, editor of the company. And she said, the woman, really, mom, she said, of all the people in the, the company that I get on their nerves, I get on hers the most, but they got stuck beside each other. And she said, I am going to, um, she was like, they start chatting because it doesn't Miranda, it doesn't matter if you don't like Miranda, she's going to make you her friend. And so the, the, um, the editor is there and she said, um, she said, yeah, I do freelance editing. And my daughter was like, she sends me a text sitting beside the lady. I know why I'm here. And so she's like, so you freelance edit. My mom needs her book edited. Why don't you do that? And she's like, all right, I will. So she edits the book. 
I only sent her one chapter because I thought if it's embarrassing, because I'm not an author, I actually fought with God for two years over it. I am not a writer. I'm not an author. That's not what I do. And so finally I did it. But when it came time for the editing, I said, I'm going to send over one chapter that way. If it's a hot mess express, I only am going to be embarrassed by one chapter, not 12. <laughs> and so the editor edited the book and she, she uh, calls me and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know that my roommate in college works for a publisher in New York. She's like, do you want me to send it over to her? Well, sure. As I pass out while I'm holding my phone, like I fought with God over doing it because this is not who I am. And then all of a sudden, not only is it who I am, he's getting it published, right? So we get told it was a series of really wild events. We get told this is a two year process. It's never going to happen. And, you know, whatever. Then we get a call back four days later. Oh, by the way, she read the book. They want to know if they she can present it to her bosses this year. Oh, by the way, I, we know it's 2020, but we would like to get this published now. She told me it was a two-year process. My book was published in five months. And I'm going to tell you, in the editing world and the book publishing world, I can, pro I can promise you people put their transcripts in for months, if not years, trying to get a publisher to publish it. That is the truth. And here I am. <laughs> This West Virginian, <laughs> this little hillbilly's like, well, God told me to do it. So I guess I'm going to do it. So yeah. And here I am getting published. It's actually unbelievable when you think about it. So there is no reason why I should be speaking to this beautiful congregation this morning. But let's just add it to the list. Why not? Right? Um, unless I have been created for something that is bigger than myself. Jordan Peterson, my husband, my husband took me to Jordan Peterson. If you don't know who he is, look him up. I love him. He's a, a clinical psychologist from Canada who is the bomb. I mean, he, he drops truth like it's candy at a parade and he's not backing down from it. So he said, the world has a hole in it in the exact shape and size as you. It is one of my favorite quotes of all time. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we, now y'all are in on the story, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained, hath before ordained, meaning before all of it, he already had it planned out for you, that we would walk in them. And what that means is that we would walk in the good works that he, before it happened, ordained. So, so finally, my favorite author is Andy Andrews. Does anybody know Andy Andrews? By the way, I'm wrapping up. I really am. So does anybody know Andy Andrews? Anybody? You've been cheated. I'm about to introduce you to Andy Andrews. In each of his books, he weaves a story with a con while conveying a a profound truth. So he will write a book like a novel, but in the book will be a profound truth. After his book, The Heartbender, which is, The Heartbender, which is my favorite book of his, is the butterfly butterfly effect. It is the story. By the way, The Heartbender is about forgiveness, but you don't really know it till the end of the book. Um. The butterfly effect is about the impact of one. And I don't have time to read it today, but I'm going to hold it up. It is um, 
if you don't have, if you've never read any of his books, please do. The theory of the butterfly effect is that a butterfly, and this is actually a true scientific theory, the big long scientific name is in the book. The butterfly effect is the story of the impact of one. And I don't have time to read it today, but if you get a chance, read it. It's the effect is that a butterfly can flutter its wings on one side of the world, moving molecules, which then move other molecules until the movement arrives on the other side of the globe, which could be a hurricane by this simple flutter of a butterfly's wings. So what happens if that butterfly is me and I flap my wings because, because Ephesians says that I've been created for his workmanship to do good works. So what if I am the butterfly? So I brought two today and because I'm a kindergarten teacher and I like participation, I'm going to give two away. Um, so I would like, so we're doing Women's Day, right? Who is the oldest woman in the room? You get a free book today if you admit it. <laughs> Age is just a number, y'all. Come on, don't be shy. Who? Is anybody in here older than 81? Oh, how old are you? How old are you? 82? Do we have anybody older than 82? You're 86? Girl. Girl, you're looking good. Now, I'm not going to make an 86-year-old eight, eight, woman come up and give this, but my good-looking husband, he can come up. And what's her name? Dolores? You can give this to All right, so now I have one more. Who is the youngest girl in the room? We got a baby in here somewhere? How old is she? Two. I'm going to throw this to y'all. <laughs> Kidding. I'll give it to Carol. She can give it away. All right, so what's the baby's name? Natalie. This is a really cool, short little book. It is not... Um, word heavy, a two-year-old could sit through it maybe. Do it at night after hot tea and honey. All right, so I realized why I love this book so much because years ago I was asked to speak at a girls conference and I really am done. Um, and I'm like a preacher. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. All right, so I asked to speak at a girls conference and my talk was actually on the exact same principle the effect that one girl can have on the world. Mary, Esther, there's a list. Who in here believes that their life has been personally impacted by a 16-year-old girl from France in the 14th century? Who in here believes that or knows that? Nobody? Nobody? No takers? All right. Yes, Joan, my girl Joan. You know Joan of Arc? All right. So does anybody know what Joan of Arc, since you mentioned her, do you know what she did? She did leave the French army and she saved France because she led the French army. She was 16, y'all. I feel like I have not done enough. 16 years, all I had was a baby by the time I was 16. She's like, oh, give me some armor. Let me lead an army. Okay. So anyway, do you know what? Do you know how how Joan of Arc has impacted you personally? Would you like to know? Because does anybody know what army showed up in Yorktown when we cornered Cornwallis? 
Vive la France, huh? And here we <laughs> So here we all are because there was a girl who no matter what the world said to her, she said, I have heard from God and I am going to do this. And I can tell you that 14th century France was not a soft, gentle world for a 14-year-old girl who tells a king, I've heard from God, I need to do this. So I just want to let you know, I'm ending it with this, Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship, his butterflies, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we, all of us, should walk in them. I'm actually done. <laughs>